All right, I will say good evening, good evening, let us begin. All right, a lot to do tonight, Baruch Hashem, and not, uh, never enough time. All right, I think I've become my worst enemy in terms of like setting times on things. All right, anyway, let's begin. So, we'll say, so tonight we are picking up on Daf Yud Zayin Ahmed Aleph, and we are picking up specifically Margula uh, Bepuma uh, Da'abaye, which is in the widest lines, in the widest lines, three lines in, 17a, the widest lines. So the Shalom writes as follows: Margula Bapume de Abaye, a beautiful saying in the name of Abaye, the Olam Yehe Adam Arum Biyira. Person should always, always say, now literally what this means is a person should be cunning, right? Cunning in Yirashvayim. Now, what does that mean? That the same way that, like, you know, we think about cunning, what's that cunning? The person like, who's like thinking, cunning is the wrong word because cunning sounds like duplicitous. Like, it sounds like what it means is a person has to have strategies in the cultivation of your spirituality. Like everything else in life, right? If you want to grow your business, I don't know, I'm not a businessman, but I would assume if you want to grow your business, you have to have a plan for that, right? You can't just wake up in the morning and say, you know what, today's going to be the day I'm going to grow my business. How? I have no idea, but I just want my business to be bigger. You need a plan. So we'll say, the same way you need a plan of business, you need a plan for your shalom bias, you need a plan for your ruchnius as well. What is the plan ultimately to develop spiritually? And a person has to develop that plan. So a person should be, that's what it means, Arum. The, the word, the, Arum literally means naked. But what, what it means is like thoughtful, like a little bit like, uh, you, gotta, you gotta be cunning. You gotta come up with a good plan to grow in your Ruchnias. I'm sorry. Furthermore, be the kind of person of Osai who increases peace with his brethren with his relatives, and with every person, even with the Gentile in the marketplace. Be a friendly person. Be a friendly person. A person who initiates friendly encounters. In order that you should be beloved above, and ultimately, again, beloved below. What is very beautiful is as follows, that when, when you are a good person, and you are good to other people, so what that does is two things. Number one, people, you, you, you're able to create relationships. And when you are good in your human relationships, you are good in your relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. What does that mean? So let's think about this just a moment. If you don't know how to create relationships with people, you certainly don't know how to create a relationship with God. Right? People are tangible, right? People are in front of us. People are here. So if I can't go ahead and create a relationship with something that is in front of me, I certainly can't create a relationship with something that's not in front of me. So a person who's mar b'shalom, a person who increases peace, increases peace in this world with everyone, even with the Gentile and the Shuk, he's beloved by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and I will say, he'll be accepted by people. We know this. We know this, right? People who run after peace and people who, who, who amplify the level of shalom within community, they are people that, that when they talk, we listen to them, right? When they say things, we heed it, as opposed to people who are always sowing the seeds of machlokes, those people we tend to discount. I'm Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, this is beautiful. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Shalohikdimo Adam Shalom Olam Vafilu Nachri Bishok. It's about Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, I will say he was always the first to greet every person, even the Gentile in the marketplace. I, was saying, I just want to point out something amazing. You know who Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was, right? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai pretty much saved the Jewish people in the aftermath of the destruction of the second Mesa Mikdash. He, he, we, we are here today in no, in, in no, in no short way because of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Yet it's interesting, the Gemara says, you know what they used to say about Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai? Not about his Torah, not about his Shi'urim, not about his Drashas. You know what they used to say about him? He greeted every single person first. I was saying, you would think the God of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is the Gadol Hadar. 
He doesn't have to say Shalom Aleichem. People should come to him. That's not the way he conducted himself. He never can, interpersonally, he never conducted himself that everybody has to come to me. He was the first to greet every single person. It's so beautiful. So, I will say, you know what you begin to see, I think, as, as I was going to say as we get older, but I'll just talk about myself. As I get older, sometimes I feel very, very old. And as I get older, I think to myself, you know, sometimes the things that really have the greatest impact are the little things. Right? Like we, when we're young, we think about like accomplishing them. We think about it like in terms of discovering this, accomplishing this, creating this, doing this, earning this. And then as we get older, we recognize that the true hallmarks of greatness are the very small things that we do day in and day out. You're the kind of person who greets every person. People know that you're a shalom person. When they look at you, people know this person has the reputation. This guy is about shalom. What mattered most? He greeted every person first. Just, just incredible. In any event, the Imar goes right there. The Imar says, Margalo Pumid Rava. was beautiful. There was a beautiful jewel in the mouth of Rava. Rava always used to say, both say the expression of Margalo Pumid literally means a precious jewel in the mouth, which means a beautiful saying. A beautiful saying, right, that Rava used to have. Tachlis Chachma Tshuva Umaisim Tovin. The Tachlis, the purpose of wisdom, is Tshuva, is repentance and good deeds. Both say it's incredible. Judaism is not a religion that values knowledge for knowledge's sake. This is incredibly important. <laughs> we value knowledge as ultimately, again, the key or the foundation for action. Right? Not why, why do I learn Torah? Why do I learn Torah? I learn Torah so I know what to do. That's why we know if a person learns. Right? We all, we, you know people like this. Right? People who learn, they don't internalize anything what they're learning. They don't act on it. And the truth is, like, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. Everything, we, that's why, as I will say, you know, it's in general, it's interesting, we don't have time for this, but in general, this is why Judaism never really placed like a big emphasis on philosophy. The only time that Judaism got into philosophy was as a result of other religions getting very into philosophy, right? So when Islam was doing so, Christianity, so that, that's when you see like, the, what, why is that? Because Judaism in its essence, which is part of the beauty of our religion, is an actional religion. It's do, 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 do. Philosophy is great, right? What, what does philosophy create? Right? Philosophers, right? Who in, turn, who in turn create more philosophy, right? Who in turn create more philosophers, right? Which, which, which is beautiful. There's a place for it. Now, let's say, but you know, you could philosophize yourself to death, right? Philosophize yourself to inaction. And it's great. You're pondering the mysteries of the universe. And what have you accomplished? Nothing. Nothing. So it's incredible over here is that Ravi used to say the taklis of wisdom, taklis of chachma, ultimately again is tshuva and maizim tovin. That's what it's about. The reason I learned Torah is that it should teach me tshuva, how to become a better person and how to live a better life. Person should learn Torah, right? And, and kick his mother and father, or kick his rebbe, or kick someone ultimately again, um, I'm sorry. Uh, so the Gemara says over here like this. It shouldn't be that a person learns Torah, but they're disrespectful to their parents. Or a person learns Torah and they're disrespectful to their Rebbe. Or a person is, learns Torah and they're disrespectful to those who are wiser than them. As the Pasuk says, literally again, the beginning, the root of all wisdom is the fear of HaKadosh Baruch Seichel tov l'chol osehem. Lo osehem lo ne'emar, sorry, lo osim lo ne'emar, elo lo osehem. Lo osim l'shma, velo lo osim shlo l'shma. 
But we'll say, who does Torah have an impact on? Only those who learn Torah Lishma. They're both say, here's what's interesting. What's the definition of Torah Lishma? What's the definition? Torah for its sake. Right? What's the, what's the definition of Torah Lishma? So the is giving you a definition. Definition of Torah Lishma means Torah that is learned for the sake of translating into action. That's called Torah Lishma. What's Torah Shalom Lishma? What's Shalom Lishma? Learning for what purpose? For what purpose? Whatever. Knowledge, intellect. Let's say, Torah is interesting, right? So, I, so you could learn for the sake of intellectual stimulation. You can learn for the sake of learning new ideas, but I have absolutely no, uh, no intention of changing it. We have the idea of the Rosh Oh, so good. So there, 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 is, there, there is a countermeasure to this, and the countermeasure to this is that there is a concept of that there is some level of reward and meaning even Torah Shalom or Shalom Lishma right? So absolutely, in other words, we don't say that learning Torah we don't say that learning Torah for the sake of intellectual stimulation is worthless. It's not worthless. It's not worthless, but it's not the ideal, right? The ideal, I will say, this is so incredibly profound. When I learn, when I learn, my goal always is to try to figure out what could I do with what I learned? How do I take what I saw on the page and put it into action? That's my goal. That's called Torah Lishma. Now, it's a pretty dramatic statement. Whoever learns Torah Shalom it would have been better had he never been created. Now, now, what, what, is, what does that mean? So, we'll say, so remember again, think about it in this way. What's the whole purpose of life in this world? What's the whole purpose of life in this world? So you're thinking to yourself, listen, it's 10 to 9. It's too late for these kind of conversations, right? Let's say the meaning of life a little bit earlier in the day. So, we'll say, I'm sorry, sounds like philosophy, but it's not, right? So, now listen to this. The meaning of life in is is to change the world through meaningful and dynamic activities. And by the way, changing the world, I don't necessarily mean changing the world in ways that anyone else is going to know about. Every single positive thing that I do, I change the world. I do something. That's my whole point. My whole point over here is to come into this world and to try to make it better than the way that I found it. That's it. And how do I do that? How do I do that? Torah. Torah gives me the methodology through which to affect positive, comprehensive, cathartic change in this world. That's what Torah does. So therefore, again, that's my whole point in this world, is to affect change in some way. So therefore, if a person comes into the world, learns Torah, but does never puts it into action, then it's better that it never been created. What does that mean? It's just, you're, you're, you're denying the purpose of creation. Whereas, why am I here? I'm not, I'm not here just to have a good time. I'm not here just to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with having a good time, but wrong with enjoying the world. But I'm here to affect change. Torah tells me how to affect that change. So if I learn and I don't translate what I learn into dynamic activity, then the truth is my life is a little bit empty. My life is a little bit empty. Incredible. Jose, I'm just telling you, we could spend a week on each of these Gemaras. There, I, I'm, I'm giving you the tip of the iceberg. There's so much in each of these. Let's go back. A beautiful thing that I've used to say. This world is not like the next world. The world to come. There's no eating and drinking in the world to come. There's no procreation. There's no business. There's no jealousy. There's no hatred. There's no competition. You know, like, so what, what, what are we waiting for over here, right? Like, what, what exactly do I have in store for me? So it says, Right, say, what is the world to come? The righteous sit, their crown is on their head. The Marshall points out, what's the crown? It's the crown of their deeds. We'll see on here a beautiful imagery that after 120, each of us is given a crown, right? So that crown is made up of all of the mitzvos and the chasadim that I performed 
in this world. That makes my crown. So I will say, which is interesting because, you know, you don't want to be that guy with like the tiara, right? You know, you're okay. First of all, it's going to be embarrassing to walk around with a tiara for all eternity, right? But can you imagine that, right? You have like your little, like your little zach over here like that. And it, I'm sorry, a sombrero. You want, right? you want a sombrero, right? That, that's interesting. For you, it's, it's, not a question, it's, not, it's not a question of jealous. It's a question of like, I see what I could have done with my life. I'm not jealous, but if there's a sadness, right? I see what I could have had. I see what I could have done. I'm not begrudging you for having it. You did a great job in life, but there's a sadness for what I don't have. I can't accomplish. So that's, so both say, so that's Olam Haba. Olam Haba is you sit with the crown of your deeds and ultimately, again, you soak in the beauty of the Shina Vachadosh Baruch Hu's presence. Shina Amar, Vayachazu Asalokim, Bayochlu Bayishtu. Beautiful. Let's go out there. Kvaiter. Gidola Avtacha Sheftichu Achalash Baruch Hu Lenashim. Yosem Enashim. This is beautiful Gimara. So Achalash Baruch Hu promises greater spiritual reward for women more than men. How so? Shina Amar, Nashim Sha'anenos Komna. So I'll say the way it refers to women over here in this Pasik, calling Bazvamishaya, literally again, tranquil women stand up and listen to my voice. Binos Botchos, women who have faith. So the way that the Navi refers to women is tranquility and bolstered with faith. The Navi never refers to men that way. So it seems to be that women, women are guaranteed a greater spiritual reward than men. So here's what's interesting. What's fascinating about that statement is that yet women have less mitzvot than men. So I don't understand. How is it exactly that women reap greater spiritual bounty, greater spiritual reward than men when men have more mitzvot? In other words, what is the source of the reward? What is beautiful? Because ultimately, again, they cause their sons to go to the shul, in other words, to go to yeshiva. They encourage their children to go and learn. And they tell their husbands to go out to the base medrash and learn. And they wait for their husbands to come home, ultimately from the base medrash. So we'll say, so what does this mean? What does this mean? So they send their kids off to school, which is beautiful. And they encourage, right? and they, and they, they encourage, they encourage their husbands to learn. And they wait for their husbands to come home. We'll say, it's actually a very profound gemara. What it's saying is, and this, this we see this, anyone who's Zoha to be married, and, and, and especially if one has a family, sees this, that the woman is the enabler of the home. Right? She is the one, she is the one who enables the activity of everyone and everything else in the house to unfold. That's, that's what happens over here. So therefore, again, the Gemara says, you know, when you do something good for yourself, or you do something good, that's beautiful, right? I go, I put on tefillin. That's fantastic, right? I did a mitzvah, it's beautiful. Now again, did I enable anyone else's growth? Did I enable anyone else's growth? Now again, you want katana, like we said before, I, I added positive energy into the world, that definitely helps. But la my mitzvah is really mine, and mine alone, right? I'm the one doing the mitzvah. So the Gemara says, the godless of, of women is that they are the enablers of the spiritual growth of everyone else in the home. They're the enabler of the husband. They're the enabler of the children. And also, you know, it's interesting because being the enabler, being the enabler, which is interesting, often is the, is the role that doesn't get like the headlines, right? Who gets the headlines, right? The person who goes out and does and this and that. 
But behind every person that goes out and does, and there's someone who's like, like backstage, who's pulling all of the different things, telling everybody where they need to be and what they need to do and how they get to here and how they get to this. And often people don't even know that person, right? They know the person who's out front and center. But without that person backstage, without that person pulling all the strings, no one else could do anything. Jose, it's such a profound yisod. And again, I think many of us are zochet to see this in our own lives, like the power, the power of a wife and the power of a mother to literally go ahead and pull all of those strings, right? When when does every husband slash father know this, right? If your wife is ever out of town and you like have to manage things for like a day, right? What happens? What happens? Two hours in, you're like, you know, I'm done. I'm done. You know what? That's it. That's it, right? I don't know whatever it is. I'm sorry. All, all falls apart, right? Suddenly, everybody's eating cheese curls and like you know whatever it is. You know, there's laundry piling up. No one knows what's going on, right? Netflix is on. Whatever, whatever, whatever you have to do, right? It's like triage. Just keep everybody from like serious injury until right, until it's incredible, right? So that, that's obviously an exaggerated, exaggerated example. But Lamaisa, the Gemara says that's the power of women that they have the ability, they have the ability to focus less sometimes on their own personal accomplishment to the benefit of enabling everyone else around them to self-actualize. And that's why ultimately, again, they have greater schus. That's why they have greater schus. I will say it's interesting. That's why also they're referred to as tranquil. Tranquil. Often the life of a woman is anything but tranquil. So we'll say tranquility, you know, doesn't come from like sitting on the beach, you know, sipping on a drink with an umbrella, you know, in it. That's, that's nice. We should all be zocha to that, in Hashem, right? But that, that's not tranquil. Where, tra- where, right? where, where does real tranquility come from? Real tranquility comes from knowing that you're living a meaningful life and that you are doing anything and everything like we said before to infuse meaning and to change the world. So also what's interesting is women often have a much higher tranquility level than men do. Why? Because at the end of the day, they recognize that they are pulling all of the pieces and pulling all of the strings, enabling everyone else to do what they need to do in order to become accomplished. I will say, Father Sabo here for tonight. Shkoyach, everyone, incredible Gemara. Same time tomorrow night. Shkoyach. Marif. See ya. I know, I know, it's true.